I'm Jamie Jo Huang, and I am an author. Uh, my father, the Panda Killer, um, it's out now on shelves. Um, I'm really excited to talk about it. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over. Thank you so much. Congratulations on the book, My Father, the Panda Killer. Uh, I've gotten um, to read it and it is riveting from page one. So congratulations on putting out such a beautiful uh, work. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's It's been um, really scary for me to... Um, to I told my um, my in conversation partner at my book launch, who's also Vietnamese, I said, you know, I think for me, um, Vietnamese people reading the book is so scary, but also like I'm I'm hoping, you know, my hope is that they love it, of course, but you know, I think it's like I I want I want Vietnamese people to be proud, you know, like I want us to to talk about these things. I think it's, it's a hard book in some ways. Um, but I hope that it's not something that, um, that people look at as, um, not highlighting Vietnamese people in, in a good way. You know, I think, um, I tried really hard to be honest, but also, you know, this to me is like a love, love letter to Vietnamese people because I love our culture. I love, you know, I love who we are, who we've become, but I think to get here, it has been um, challenging. And I think, um, I think it's kind of time that our generation talks about, you know, all the things we've had to um, overcome and endure. And so my hope is that this is just like a conversation starter for, for us and, you know, all immigrants really. Well, I'm, I'm going to say this and I'm going to get explicit. The book is raw as fuck. And you don't get to read that kind of uh, expression in a lot of books. And, you know, it, it really uh, I'm like reading it going, holy shit. But then what I'm thinking about the whole time is how much of this is autobiographical? You know, people ask me that a lot. Um, and I, I used to give, give a percentage. I used to say, you know, uh, this percentage um, of it is true. And how I like it to describe it now is... Um, you know, probably the first draft of this book was completely autobiographical. And then with every draft, and there's been like hundreds of drafts, um, it gets a little, it gets further and further away from my specific truth. But I think the foundation of it is 100%. Like, yeah, it's 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 how I felt growing up. Um, it She is very much a part of me. Um, but in order, I think, to be kind of honest about some things that like, I think I'm probably really embarrassed about now. Um, you know, I, I did have to like break her apart from who I am um, in order to talk about things like her relationship with Jackie and like, you know, not, not liking being Vietnamese and shying away from um, the, the culture that we like, we grew like grew up with, but also, wanted to like dismiss because we were trying to be so American and fit in with like our American friends. Um, so yeah, I would say the, the, un like the undercurrent of it, the foundation of the book um, is my story. Um, but as each draft got, you know, as, as I 
finished each draft, it, it she did become her own person. I don't know where to start other than when did you begin to think of yourself as a writer? Oh man, okay. So I have a kind of a funny story about this. So I I know we're we're, we're rivals because I went to UCLA. I know you went to USC. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> um, but so I I went into U UCLA as an undergrad um, with no. I think I was I was undeclared, so I didn't have a major, and it was my first year. Um, and I was just walking around campus, and on the sort of very far end of the campus, like way north campus, um, the film school was there. And I went in and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, you know, I saw these film posters and the, the you know, buildings seemed kind of interesting. And at, at this time in my life, like I'd seen probably 20 movies. Wow. Like I hadn't seen that many, you know, we it just, we weren't a household that watched a lot of, especially American movies. I did watch, I will say like, you know, the Fimble. Yeah. My mom and I watched those together at the 50 sets, right? Um, but I never really thought about going into the arts it just wasn't really on the docket it wasn't something my parents and I really talked about or you know um but I went in and I saw the application and it was like they take 30 people from or 30 people total 15 from within UCLA and 15 from outside of UCLA so I had no chance right I had no experience with um film or anything of the sort but I was like I'll just apply anyway we'll just see what happens um and so I I filled out the application and I got an interview. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. I go to the interview and I'm sitting outside and um, the girl before me comes out. And then the, one of the interviewers um, comes out and says, uh, we're, we're going to need a couple of minutes. And she's, she's like, she has tears in her eyes, right? She's been crying. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this, the girl before me just made her cry. Like I'm ever going to get into this program. Like, how am I supposed to follow this up? Um, and I go in and I sit down and, um, you know, I'm super nervous now. And the first thing they ask me is like, what are your five favorite movies? I, I just draw a blank. Right. I have, I am like, oh crap. Like I, you know, obviously I should have something like this in my back, but I don't. And so I remember seeing there was a poster, um, for this movie called picture bride on the wall. And I said, I was like, oh, picture bride. And as soon as the the title came out of my mouth, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like this is so bad. If they ask me anything about this movie, I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna have to cop to my my lie. But thankfully, like the person who edited that movie was a UCLA alum, and so by like the grace of God, they just they started telling me about all the things they loved about the movie, and I didn't have to say anything. <laughs> I was just like. Oh my gosh. I just like skated past that question. Um, and then they we we were chatting for a little while and they got to my um my sample pages and I had written five page sample page about um my mom getting a phone call from my grandma in Vietnam about my uncle being stuck in um a re-education camp. And so it was this very short five page scene and um the interviewer who I'd seen earlier, she started tearing up and um, she she looked at me and she said, you know, this is like one of the most beautiful moments that I've ever read. And 
uh, I realized then that she was crying because she had just read my five pages. Oh, it wasn't the girl what? before. Yeah. And um, so th I think that was like the first time that I really thought, oh, like I am a storyteller. I can tell a compelling story. And um, yeah, I, I got into film school <laughs> um, based on on that. But I and so I, I spent uh, two years in the screenwriting program and I worked in um, um, I worked in L.A. for a little while, but I didn't really feel like um, the screenwriting format was for me. Like it was, you know, there's a lot of white space and I really like exposition, as you can see. Um, so I I quit and I, I went and I uh, I wrote my first book, which is not this book. Um, it's this book called uh, Blue Sun, Yellow Sky, which is very different from this book. It's really, it's like in a, a travel adventure about an artist. Um, but I wrote that book as kind of a masterclass in writing because I think I've always known that this book was the book I wanted to write. Um, but I also felt like if I was going to touch my parents' story, I better know how to write and I better know how to write well. And I, you know, so it could not be my first book. Um, let's let's and, talk. Let's talk about this idea of exposition and the difference between writing scripts and writing a manuscript uh, as a novel. Um, there's a lot of white space, and because there's a lot of white space, and you're given about a hundred pages to to knock this uh, movie idea out. There's a lot of constraints. And what you're saying yeah. is you like the exposition. You like to really open up scenes. You really like to get into characters' minds and the descriptions of what's happening. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I um, I think I I I enjoy the the aspect of um, un, like seeing things as a character seeing it. So really small moments like that. Um, you don't necessarily uh, think about. Um, I, I I try to live in 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 a character's eyes. Like if you're walking into the Taj Mahal, for example, I think um, to describe it is sort of this overwhelming, you know, beautiful masterpiece of a place. But a, a real person is looking at these very specific details, right? You walk through the doors, and suddenly you see, like, oh, in the corner, there's a crack. And for me, the minute details that a specific person observes um, is what brings a character to life for me. It's what it's what shows you what's going on in their mind at the time. Um, you know what things influence them, what touches them um, emotionally, and uh, sort of how they're seeing the world. Um, and I think for me, um, being able to uh, expound on like the different colors and the schemes and to not have to think about budget <laughs> or, um, you know, not having to, not having to like squeeze everything into um, three lines, I think really helped me find my, my characters, my story. Um, and I don't know, it was just, it was really freeing to, to be able to say like, you know, the world is my oyster. My characters can go anywhere. And um, 
And I have an unlimited amount of space. I mean, not really. They do want it to be like less than 85,000 words. But, you know, by comparison, it's just, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a I think, I, like a more full flower is kind of the way, like, I, yeah. I see it. Like, I think when I was working, when I was doing screenwriting, I always felt like I had just the bulb and I couldn't get it to bloom. Yeah. Yeah. And and I can imagine that that training for those years of compressed writing within script writing really helps that, you know, you have to really succinctly tell an idea, express something about the character or, or the description of the place. Then that constraint is probably help you condition that muscle to really say, you know, I want to give it a full picture, but I have also constraints and, and, and it probably does it really well transferring that script screenplay writing ability over to now having a bigger canvas, but then at the same time, knowing that there's word economy, right? Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, the, I think I am a very visual person. So as I'm writing, I do imagine, um, like in my head, this is kind of how it works, but I, I do like visualize it. I do see it. Um, I, and I look for the sort of very specific details, but I think that I do sort of, um, think in a movie world and then translate it into a uh, like book world to me, like everything is very visual. Um, and I, and I think that yeah, that conciseness was super helpful. The techniques I learned in screenwriting also, you know, the pacing, I think um, understanding that like was super helpful. And to this day, I still follow it. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, everything kind of blended together yeah. in this sort of beautiful way, I think, in in the writing. You know, after I, I read the book, I was wondering why or how the idea of classifying this book as a young adult or YA, because it doesn't, I mean, I understand how it can be classified as a YA novel, but did you set out to write a YA or was it like the publishers that said, you know what, I'm going to, we need to classify this somewhere. And they bestowed this sort of like this uh, classification on later, like how did that work? Uh, I did not set out writing it as YA. Um, my first book is adult. I don't really, um, I try, I try really hard not to think about the marketing aspect of the book while I'm writing it. Um, cause I find it too like stifling Yeah. Um, when my agent and I, I were talking about, um, how to go about marketing it. She sort of said like, the thing is like, this book can fit squarely in YA because of the ages um and adults read YA books but young adult readers mm. do not read adult books so if we want a broader audience um it's best to frame it as YA and adult readers will still pick it up um but you will lose the uh, the young adult audience if you if you market it to just adults um and when looking at sort of the themes of the book and where I was at at the time, um, you know, why I wrote Jane at this age, I really felt like, you know, I think, you know, I was looking at the, all of the refugees coming out of Ukraine and, you know, all these wars, you know, constantly we're seeing refugees fleeing. And I was thinking, this is not 
um, something that, you know, stopped. And, and then, you know, like we, we have new refugees every day from different countries. And I feel like this book um, is really important for the younger generations to kind of understand that like when you when you come from a family that is like dropped in America and then that family is assimilating certain things kind of happen that I think are not necessarily um good for us right I think so I think one of the things that was really important to me was talking about my like shame in being Vietnamese and you know when you get made fun of, of course, your first instinct is to think like, oh, it's because I'm not good enough. Or like, you know, I'm ugly, and I don't have X or Y or Z. And um, I think it's really important for young people who are uh, struggling with this, these same identity issues to see someone um, endure it and then come out the other end and be like, no, actually, like, I love my heritage. And I want to know more about it. And my parents had to endure something I'll probably never understand. But absolutely, we should try to bridge the gap by asking questions. Um, or at the very, very least, kind of understanding that you might not know your parents that well. And, you know, their struggles are um, something that you may never comprehend. But I think for those of us who have had parents who had to endure such difficulties, I think it's important for us to um, to understand that, that that there's a certain level of empathy that we should um, allow. The book is split into uh, the present and then goes back into the past with your uh, with Jane's father's character. Um, and that empathy shows up. The empathy of you as a writer shows up. Um, and and I wanted to ask though, because it was brilliantly done because you got into the mind of your father's character or Jane's uh, character. And it was special because all of the things that were recreated or created, or I, you know, did you talk to your dad about it? How did how did you accurately make me? How did you make me believe? that it was so accurate and the descriptions of what he went through as the journey of getting out of Vietnam and all of these things were like, wait, are you, is, are you the writer of, are you, is the dad, the writer, you know, like in my mind, I'm like, how do you know this? Because it's so realistically coming out of the voice of the character of the father. And I really wanted to applaud that and, and bring that to mind that it was just like, because it could have gone another way, which is like you're trying to do it, but it's like off because you're born, you know, you're not really, you didn't grow up, that you didn't live through that. How could you have explained that so well in the writing? Um, I, I have talked to my parents about their journeys, um, and I think my um, my aunts and uncles too. I, I there's a scene in the book um, with the cousins where the cousins are all kind of sitting around talking and then overhearing this conversation. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Like I think, you know, I've, we have family reunions all the time and my family's really big. Um, and I think somewhere in my adolescence, I kind of learned to eavesdrop 
And my parents, um, my parents would talk, my parents would never talk to us directly about what happened, but they would talk to each other about stuff. Um, and I, I remember like being a kid kind of like scooting my chair a little bit closer, you know, um, and, and gleaning things, but also my older cousins who, um, who were closer to my dad's generation, um, they, because they spoke English, you know, better than my parents and could sort of translate, um, having these conversations with my cousins and asking them like, Hey, when, you know, I know you were only five when you lived in Vietnam, but like, what was that really like? So one of my cousins was really helpful, um, in kind of like Mm -hmm. in, she read the book several times and sort of helped me, um, create a realistic portrait of Vietnam. But one of the things that was really helpful to me was understanding um and this was through talking to my parents and and my cousins um and and aunts and uncles that their life in vietnam like they loved it like my cousin was like i had so much fun when i was a kid it wasn't this like i need to leave because my country's poor and we you know we, we were just all just dying to escape like the circumstances forced us to leave but there was a lot of joy and you know we didn't have a lot but we had a lot of fun and I think to me understanding that my parents you know at that age um did in like love their country and then were sort of plucked out of it um really changed my perspective on uh what it meant to be a refugee um, and and opened up a doorway of communication, I think, with my dad and I. Um, but I remember uh, kind of very specifically, like when I sort of knew like that that, that I wanted to write this book. I was um, I was in a car with my dad, and uh, we were driving with my aunt to a wedding in Louisiana from Houston. And the two of them were talking in the front seat and I was in the back, like reading a book or playing a game or something. And I remember my dad, my dad started describing these, like these airplane sounds, like the, the whooshing sound they would make as they would fly past. Um, and then the, and then he, he described these bombs dropping and he said, uh, which at the time I thought like, oh my gosh, like that is the essence of Vietnamese people, right? Like he's describing this horrifying, like super scary, um, you know, moment. And yet he's saying a beautiful explosion. And I thought like, yeah, like that's the essence that I want to capture. Like that's, that's who I believe Vietnamese people are. Like that's who I I believe my parents are. And um, I just really felt a really strong kind of connection and, and understanding um, about the the way in which I wanted to, to sort of tell this story. Yeah. No, Deplung. That's a cool uh, little phrase. Uh, it means so much. To, there's so much there to unpack. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I feel like, th- I feel like, that's so true of the Vietnamese language in general, yeah. right? So like the fewer the words, the like more impactful they are in, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. So what is your, what is the difference? Uh, just going back because you mentioned blue sun, yellow sky. What is the difference between self-publishing and then getting pub- picked up with the publisher? 
Um, the difference is it takes a lot longer <laughs> to get a publisher um, and the marketing arm, I think, the reach that they have. Um, for me, like, I, I always knew that this book and the next book I'm working on were kind of my, like, undying dream books. Um, and I, when I wrote my first book, um, I, I had reached out to a few agents and editors and everyone was like, well, you know, it's really hard to launch a new author. And, you know, they, they're like, you know, usually it takes about six months to a year to get an agent. And then an editor will take another two years before you'll see the book published. And I was thinking, um, I don't want to spend three years on this book. I want to spend three years on this next book. Um, and I also had read a lot about people saying like, even if you get a big publishing deal, you still have to do a lot of, um, of the marketing on your own. And so I thought that would be a good crash course to also have, um, to know like, okay, what can I do, you know, with social media, how can I push this thing myself? Um, learning how to build a grassroots campaign, um, was trial by fire. Um, but it was, it was also really helpful in this process too. Mm. So weirdly, I, I kind of highly recommend it just because if you understand, like it, it, it helped me also ask the right questions when I got my, um, my publishing deal to be able to say like, Hey, what is your marketing plan? And like, who do you plan to reach out to? What audience are you going to like be pushing this to? What is the, um, you know, are, are you going, is this like, you're going to put it on the shelves and see who finds it. Cause that does happen to a lot of people. Um, or is this, do you have a long-term plan? Are there goals? And the, the cool thing about um, my editor is that they are not, they're not just looking at sales. They're looking at li libraries and schools and how to get your book into the hands of people who are going to connect with it most. Um, and that was something that I did not, have access to um as as an indie author um but but what what i did learn as an indie author was that you can email anybody like all you have to do is find the email address and then you send out you know four thousand emails and a certain percentage of them comes back but those relationships are really fruitful and so i have no qualms or fears about just reaching out to strangers yeah which I, um, a lot of people have fears of doing. And I think that that kind of prevents them from mm -hmm. getting to the next step. Um, so that was also super helpful in sort of knowing like, hey, I'm going to have to email probably a hundred agents. And then, you know, my agent submitted it to, um, I think she submitted it to 18 editors. And I feel like I got very lucky. Um, this book was my editor who ended up, I ended up going with, um, she was super excited about it. She, she called basically everyone at Penguin and was like, I want this book back off. Um, but then there was also, you know, someone at Macmillan and the, so this went very, the deal went very quickly. There was a bidding war. Um, and I think that having sort of known like my audience and being able to say like, Hey, I also, I'm going to come to you with an audience, right? I have a Twitter following. I have an Instagram following. Um, that helped 
get editors really excited about it and jazzed about reading something probably earlier. I think it kind of moved it up the, the uh, right. their sort of stack. Um, so I, to me, I think the two can go hand in hand. And I, and I don't know that I would recommend one more than the other, unless you know specifically that like, you do not want to do any marketing and you have trouble reaching out to people, then for sure, like you need, you need, you're going to need like the, the big five, but to be honest, I think it's actually big three now because of the mergers. But I think not like to be an author and say like, I, I don't want to do any marketing. Like that's just not really practical anymore. Right, right. You really have to put yourself out there and, um, and still really push for yourself. I think, you know, I, uh, am, I'm probably not reading between the lines very well, but I'm going to give it a crack, which is, uh, you, it sounded like, um, blue sun, uh, yellow sky was your kind of practice, right? Uh, practice all things, business, all things, writing and all that. And then you were like, okay, well, I'm going to really knock it out with, uh, with, um, uh, my father. Right. Uh, but I'm thinking to myself, um, is there a difference in the quality of the writing? Um, between the two books? It's, you know, I don't know if it's the quality of writing. I think it's the emotional depth. You know, the Blue Sun, Yellow Sky um, was written as this sort of homage to a love of art and travel. Um, but My Father, the Panda Killer, I think is a book that I've probably been trying to write my whole life. And because it's so close to me and my family, um, I think it's, it is far more emotionally charged for me. Um, whereas Blue Sun, Yellow Sky is sort of fun. Um, I will say that I think having an editor and four different copy editors at the publishing house, uh, probably does give Panda Killer, um, an edge. Yeah. But in terms of like, well, and also age, you know, I was younger when I wrote the first one and I think I learned quite a bit um, before writing this one. Um, but I wouldn't say that like uh, the publishing house necessarily gives you a better quality book um, because I think that that's all personal. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's really on the person and, and how much like you, how much, you put into it emotionally. That yeah. And I w- was just going to comment on that. It's like the courage to put that emotional depth into the two different books. Um, I mean, I, w- I would consider that part of the quality equation, which is uh, it. you have to dig a whole lot more to write Panda Killer versus um, some travel art book uh, that's a little bit lighter. The mm-hmm. digging is, is just much more intense. And I think that when readers read uh, or, you know, the publishing companies, the editors, when they read something that's emotionally charged, that's what gets everybody riled up and, and we want to buy this. We want to bid for this. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I think that's probably true. I think, um, being really raw, as you mentioned, um, and, and honest, um, was so scary for me, but also I felt like it's my, it's my truth, you know? And I think that, I want, I want to talk about it. You know, I want to talk about it with, I talk, I talk about with my cousins, but like one of the 
best things that's come out of publishing this book is the number of Vietnamese people who have reached out to me and said, oh my God, that was my experience too. Or like, like, um, Gwen, she, when she called me, she texted me, like, I think while she was still doing the, vo the voice recording. And she said, I had to call my mom and ask her because I swear my mom and I had that same exact conversation in the grocery store about like how to pick good fish. And I was like, yeah, I feel like maybe Vietnamese moms all teach their kids. Like, this is how you pick, you know, uh, this is how you pick like the freshest fish. Right. But there are so many life lessons wrapped up in the um, technical lessons that your parents are teaching you too. And I thought like, it's such a beautiful thing that like we, we all grew up with different parents, but there are these similarities that really bind us together. And um, I feel like it's been really cool to just to get to, to talk to other people who, um, who had the same experiences and to not feel like, oh, I was totally alone in thinking this or feeling this way. Um, yeah, it, it's been really fun. I literally had lunch with a dear friend of mine, Vietnamese friend, yesterday, and we were talking about how to pick fish, looking up under the gill. Really? Literally yesterday, had the same conversation. And I was like, yeah, my mom taught me how. And then we were like having this kind of, so it's like funny that, you know, this is, yeah, it's a thing. And I, don't, I just don't, I've never had that conversation with an American, a white American friend, because they're not out to look for a fresh piece of fish, you know, to make yeah. food. But this friend of mine, he's like, you know, we're both almost 50 and we're talking about how to pick fish because he had uh, just it's such a delicious a sea bass. We had it at, at his house for lunch. And I was like, be like, wow, like you. Did you go buy this? And he said, yeah. And then we got into the the whole discussion of, yeah, do you know how to pick it? And I'm like, yeah. And then we just, yeah. Crazy. yeah, yeah. It's so like, you know, the, the also like the, my mom, she's not going to like cut off the head and tail. The head and tail are like some of the best parts of the fish, right? Great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me, I'm just like, I just, I love these things about my parents, you know, and I, I love I love how other Vietnamese people are like, oh, totally. My dad also, um, you know, like took a chicken and twisted the neck off. And then they they like made that uh, duck blood with the. Um... Yeah, tikkan. Yes. And I was just like, oh, your parents did that, too. <laughs> yeah. My mom taught me how to make that. That's one of my proudest dishes. I, I make that every now and then. You know, you pluck the neck, uh, the, the the feathers off the neck, and then you you slice it and drain the blood. And it's like a whole process. It's pretty crazy. So I'm not going to do that, but my parents do it and I will eat it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know, um, I was reading uh, your book, the hard copy the other day, and I was like on the couch and my four-year-old, he goes, my father, the panda killer. Yeah. And, um, so I had to explain it to him, but I, I was thinking about this. Uh, there's so many different things in the book that you could have named the title for. There's so much going on. You could have named it anything. Why yeah. that? Um, because there's a softness to a panda um, that I feel like is the embodiment or the essence of what I feel like my parents lost when they had to leave. You know, I could think, I think, yeah, to me, like the, the panda is that um, it's their childhood. 
it's the it's like the easy fun carnival um childhood life that they did not get to have and the killing of it is metaphorical um but i think it's it's a very real um thing that they that they had to endure uh so i think that's why the, the title was, was really striking to me and i feel like it really embodies what i feel like my parents lost i'm so glad i asked it now i can explain to my son exactly what why you've named it that because i you know it was a, such a big mystery i didn't know how to explain it to him and my uh, my daughter six he's four and they were both questioning me why am i reading this book and i was like i don't know why it's named this way i'll you know I'll figure it out and <laughs> yeah directly from the author here <laughs> yeah well they can call me you just have them call me and ask <laughs> oh okay oh that's very sweet of you um this idea of assimilation is very difficult. Um, on the one hand, you know, as, as children growing up in, in refugee families and immigrant families, you know, you are trying to, you know, be your best to, to, to kind of fit in and not bring attention to yourself. But on the other hand, you are going through this journey to really eventually, uh, I think the goal of us is to be, be ourselves. Uh, how did you begin to kind of understand this as you were living life that assimilation is not cool um being yourself is is cool other vietnamese people you know um honestly like i i i so i i grew up in orange county um and my i still have a lot of family there um but i think seeing people my age start businesses you know, like uh, owning boba shops, owning pho shops, and also and and not just like owning um, what their parents used to own, but upgrading, right? Like, and and then seeing um, Vietnamese food kind of take center stage in a lot of places. Um, I think it it made me um, have a sense of pride that I don't think I understood um as a kid that that I could have um I think seeing what Vietnamese people have accomplished really helped me understand that like wait a minute we have a lot of value like look at this cool stuff that like we've made and like the you know the to to come from one generation right in in a single generation to go from you know, refugees with nothing, my parents' generation to doctors, lawyer. I mean, like my, I think I saw in um, one of these Vietnamese, um, like, like, I think it's like people of Vietnam. It was, it was like a, an offshoot of the Paris by night um, group, but it was about accomplished Vietnamese people. And there was a woman who worked on the atomic bomb who was Vietnamese. And I just was like, oh my gosh, like, we're amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that like, seeing Vietnamese people um, really thrive, really is what changed my perspective on, you know, not wanting to be Vietnamese. And I think realizing that um, our culture is kind of our superpower. Um, it, it changed my whole world, you know, and, and so now when I see like, Vietnamese coffee at freaking Whole Foods, right? I'm like, yes, everybody should be drinking Vietnamese coffee. It's the best coffee. <laughs> like, 
what, you know, and then, I mean, I think, I think that Vietnamese people have a kind of grit um, that I have not really seen in other people. And it makes me like so proud to be Vietnamese. And it, it makes me want like my son to know, you know, where we came from, where we're going. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, I think just honestly, it was other Vietnamese people. Yeah. What, what does it mean to be Vietnamese to you? You know, it's kind of interesting because um, I was talking to someone recently about, you know, when I, when they, when they, when the publisher asked me how I wanted to spell my name, I had like a month long kind of existential crisis about whether or not to add the uh, Yohuin over the A, right? Because um, that is technically how it's spelled. But my entire life, I've never, um, I've never had it. It's not on any of my legal documents. It's not something that um, I ever put on there. And so I, I did test it out. I, I tested it out on my Instagram account and it just felt, I don't know, it, it felt like uh, I was cheating or something. It just, I, it didn't, uh, it didn't feel right. And so I took it off and I think, um, this is something that I feel like is sort of a second gen um, problem is that, you know, we grew up in America. And so I think being Vietnamese for me is it requires like a search. It requires kind of going back and looking for the history and going like going back to Vietnam and sort of understanding, like looking at Vietnam um, as a as a part of my history and so i feel like in some ways i think as time goes on like i'm gonna earn that yohuin mm, does that wow. make sense like wow. i have to i grew up pushing it aside and so i don't get to just add it right like you don't just get to say like hey you know appropriate I, yeah, yeah exactly appropriate. right so I'm I'm on this like journey, I think. Um and, and I think I'm 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 gonna earn it. I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm looking and I'm I'm planning trips with my family. I'm I'm talking to my parents, um, you know, about much more like deep level things. I think um yeah. That that is such a <laughs> dope answer because I've never heard that in all my years of doing this. I've never heard somebody say that um the diacritics you know these uh these these signs are something for our second generation to earn because you're right it does feel weird to kind of appropriate it when we've grown up in we've skated by just not having you know these weird symbols on our letters and no, we don't have to answer to anybody so walking yeah. backwards and, and and digging back gives us this sort of um this approach to digging back and earning it, as you, as you said. Yeah, I think, I think we're going to get there though. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like in, you know, in just uh, my, my, I have my younger brother and sister are 10 years younger than me. So Paul is kind of melded after them. Um, but I feel like in, just that 10 year gap, like my younger brother and siblings or my younger brother and sister have a very different um, 
perspective. Like mm-hmm. they are, they're like, yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know what I mean? Stuff is awesome. And they're, you know, they're constantly like sending me like pictures of their food and like all the things I'm missing because Houston doesn't have what, um, you know, SoCal has, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's really cool to see. And I think like, I think we're, I think we're turning around and, um, yeah. What what you just said about Houston and Orange County are fighting words to some uh, Houston. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we won't get into that though. What I do want to know is, in terms of fighting, um, your parents and you, it, how did they receive the book, and what is your relationship like with your mom and dad? Okay, so this is kind of funny because my parents, like, um, my mom bought three three copies of the book, and uh, my dad, you know. My so my so my parents have a copy. My dad was like, uh, w- he's like my father, the panda killer. I he's like I feel like that's a very cool title. It's very eye catching. And I'm th- in my head, I'm thinking, what do you think that's about, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, my parents they can't really read English, so um, where my mom, this is going to be kind of an interesting uh, experiment going forward because my mom has the book and she's. She's trying to read it, but it's not, she's not quite understanding it. So we're getting her the audiobook, um, which I think is gonna be also um helpful. But then my younger sister, because she, her and my like, I think my younger sister will then sort of like fill my mom in on the gaps. Um, but my parents and I we had like a I think as any like kids and their parents, right. Tumultuous relationship um, growing up. Cause my, my dad was like really hard on us. And a lot of the stuff that happens in the book is true. And I think if you ask my dad, would you just be like, yeah, that's, you know, like that's how like we raise our kids. That's how we rear them. But my dad has also apologized, you know, for how he raised us. And so I think he does understand that, um, that level of uh corporal punishment is um not right yeah um and like i think getting an apology from your parent is such a big thing um and i think it really it shifted our relationship um it made me able to ask them tough questions um it like there's still a language barrier because my Vietnamese is not as good as theirs. Like I can, you know, I speak conversational Vietnamese, but if you gave me a legal document or like, I can't read the newspaper. Um, so there is a, there's still a disconnect, but we've sort of learned to understand that when I, when I was younger, um, we would have these conversations and I would just jump to anger so fast because my dad would say something and I would just be like, that's so mean or like that's so insensitive or so rude. And now I think I understand that like my dad just doesn't have the words to sort of appropriately express what he means. Um, and if I give him time, um, I will get to the crux of it. It just takes longer. Um, so we have you know, we have that understanding and our conversations kind of loop and they are still frustrating sometimes, but I would say like 80% of the time now, um, we get to the actual like truth of, of it. And it's not ever what I think it was before. Um, and so I think 
you know, in writing the book, like I think my parents are really proud. I think my, you know, my dad has told me kind of my whole life that he's like, you know, our, our stories, like Vietnamese stories are so important and um, our generation is going to pass, you know, not in not too long from now. And I think it's really important that these stories get captured. So I feel like my parents are really excited and proud that it's, that it's out there. Um, And, you know, I, I did, you know, I told my parents specifically that like, this book is not a retelling of their story um, and and it's fiction um, because I feel like there is a generation of people who endured this um this journey and who can tell this that story with authenticity like this this book is really um a second gen book it's it is written by second gen you know uh told from the perspective of it and it's it's about bridging a gap it's not about um giving you like the totality of our history and so i th- and i think my dad really um really liked that idea because i think Uh, for him too, on some level, he's like, you know, you can't necessarily know all of the feelings that we had um, in coming over and all of the difficulties. And also they don't, I, there were some really tough things. I think my mom in particular endured in coming over. And when we would talk about it, you know, she didn't necessarily want to give you the details and Um, as I got older, I sort of realized, like, I shouldn't have to force her to talk about these things that are incredibly painful for her, just so that I can have knowledge of it, right? I don't need to know the actual truth in order to, like, build a road to forgiveness, or build a road of, um, you know, of empathy towards my parents. I can, I, I can sort of fill in the gaps myself, um, with whatever they're willing to give me. Um, and we can go from there and and that's perfectly okay. Um, yeah. Now knowing that you had a full set of parents, mom and dad, um, I wanted to ask this in the very beginning, but I'm going to ask it because I find it even more perplexing and mind blowing right now to know that you had both parents in the story and I'm not giving anything away. I mean, it's just like you open with this mom takes off. Uh, yeah. where did you get that idea from and how did you, uh, be able to pull it off with the emotions of explaining what it felt like to say, fuck you, mom, you know, um, cause that's a lot of emotions that if somebody had gone through, I like, I'm like, Oh, I'm, you must've gone through that to be able to write about it, but your mom and dad, and how did you yeah. come up and construct that? Um, so this the second book, which is the it, it pairs with this one, is um, the Paul and Mom story. Um, but I felt like you know my mom. Um, my mom is one of these people who uh, has suffered a lot, um, and I think my whole life I've you know my my dad is very patriarchal, right? Like he grew up in that in that vein and and less so now as he's gotten older. But I think that um, when I was growing up, I always felt like my mom would have been a completely different person if she had left. And I know that she did not leave because of us kids, but I felt like my mom almost in, 
in a lot of ways, like sacrificed her life for us. And do I believe that that's something that she um, should have done? I'm not sure. Am I grateful for it? Of course. Right. Absolutely. Um, but I felt like I wanted to kind of um, breathe life into a person who uh, whose trajectory, I think, could have been a little bit different. But then also when I start. So that's like that's why I, I, I wrote this book, knowing that there would be uh, two books. And I started out with this, like, I'm going to make her this like super powerful, you know, woman who uh, who takes off and then like builds her own business and becomes her own person. And but then as I really talked to my mom um, and and dug deeper into like the emotional context of it, um, I found that my mom's um, my mom's struggles were uh, very different. And I, and I think that the thing that I really want to kind of capture in the second book is how much my mom had to like mentally set things aside in order to survive, um, how much she lost, but then had to overcome. Um, and I feel like I wanted to like, give myself space to um, create a, uh, a place where my mom could see uh, her own potential in a weird way. Um, and so like, that's, that's the sort of the journey that I'm taking with, with the mom uh, character and with my own mom is, is I, I feel like my mom, um, if she could see how incredible she is like how brilliant, how smart, um, how capable. I think that she would, uh, she would just, she would bloom in a way that um, she hasn't yet. And I think that she's kept herself uh, balled up as a defense mechanism um, to protect us. And um, so the, the next book is kind of this like homage to uh, who she, who I think she could have been if that makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. Hits me. I want to thank you for coming on today. Um, you know, it, uh, it is a story that we need, um, not just to reflect on the past, but going forward gives us a sort of blueprint of, um, things that we sh sort of should navigate around and in between and all kinds of different ways of being and um where can our audience find the book um it's available pretty much anywhere you buy books um barnes and nobles target um amazon uh local bookstores indie bookstores um a lot of them carry it also um if if, if you don't see it on the shelf you can just request it um and they they'll they all have access to it so it's pretty much available um anywhere they sell books. Jamie, I look forward to the next book. Um, it's been a joy to read. Thank you. And thank you for writing it. Thank you so much. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for doing the work that you do um, in, in amplifying Vietnamese voices. I think I, I looked at the, um, the other people on your podcast and I got really nervous because I was like, oh, these are all the people that I like look up to and, you know, people whose careers I admire. 
business people who I just am like in complete awe of. I think you're you're the resource I was talking about, you know, wanting to have, you know, in in um in finding, you know, the the talent that like I, I've always known we had, but I just didn't know like where to look. Um yeah, so thank you I'm for glad, I'm glad that you're added to the pantheon of uh, Vietnamese people. And lastly, I want to shout out to Quing for recommending uh, me to reach out to you to uh, get you on the podcast. So Quing, thank you so much. Yeah, me too. Quint, she, Quint, Quint, oh man. Her work is, is amazing. I mean, she, the first time I listened to, to my own book, um, it made me so emotional because I felt like she really embodied the character. Um, and it was like, it was like reading someone else's book mm -hmm. in a weird way. Um, she's so talented. And I was just so grateful when I saw her name, I already had, no, I knew of her and I was like, yeah, please, whatever we, get, whatever we have to do. Can we, um, can we just, I don't know what, I don't know what the contracts are like or any of this business, but please, can we just make yeah. this happen? And she's been so supportive, so gracious. So, I mean, I love her. Yeah. Love Wonderful. Her. <laughs> well, thanks again, Jamie. And I hope to talk to you very soon. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. Special thanks to Brittany Tran, to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Crystal Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast.